burritos are handheld, to be fair. Did they have that back then? Who do you think made burritos? Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Glad we haven't scared you off just yet. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the gore lover, Alexis. Hey, everyone. The cowardly creeper, Ryan. Hiya. And the scream queen, Paris. Hey, sweets. This week, we're taking a look at the second entry in a franchise that has impacted the subconscious of all who've seen it. First, though, we have some follow-up. We do have some follow-up, Chris, but I'm not sure how I can follow up on impacted the subconscious of all who have seen it. I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) I think it's a pretty fair statement. (laughs) I do, too, but we'll get there. Uh, So recently, as you may remember, we reviewed a film called Host, and it was a Shudder exclusive. It was one of our first new releases in a long time, so we were all very excited about it. And we all gave it a slash. But we asked our friends on Twitter, you know, how did they feel about this movie? And, you know... The votes are in, and 92% of our listeners gave it a slash as well, with only 8% holding out for something greater. I'm surprised that there's even 8%, and I wonder how many of our followers or listeners have actually watched Host already. If you haven't watched it yet, you definitely should, and then listen to our companion episode. Um, But we do have a little bit of follow-up as well, really inspired by a question that we had from filming our episode. So in the movie, Gemma is seen outside without a mask in the opening scenes, but when things start getting crazy, she dons her mask before leaving the house again. So we asked on Twitter, well, we actually asked the director as well as the writer, uh, if that was something intentional as part of like a greater allegory like Chris had suggested, or what was up with that? And we actually got a response from the actress Gemma Moore herself, who played the character Gemma. She said, great question. Well, I knew I was going to be in close proximity to Haley, so my choice was to protect her. Throughout the film, I made choices to cover my face with my hands, jumper, hood, in reference to masks. And I love that answer because it didn't even occur to me that, like, of course she's going to wear a mask if she has to go to her friend's house. That's what we're all doing right now. But what do you guys think about that? I love that she cares for her friend. (laughs) (laughs) She's just out here winging it at the park, though. She did not care. I'm going to count that as us being close to being right. So I feel good about I'd it. I'd say so. Yeah. I think so too. But I do think covering her mouth with her hands and doing little nods to wearing a mask while she was still in the movie and in the comfort of her own homes was a brilliant touch. I agree. I see big things for Gemma's future. And that's our follow-up. This week's film has surely made every person who's seen it highly skeptical of either road trips or, at the very least, large trucks hauling logs. Much like its predecessor, this film features yet another person who has an eerie premonition of the horrific death they, their friends, and countless strangers will suffer. This time, instead of a plane, it's a pileup on a highway. This week, we're talking about Final Destination 2. Now, I saw this movie back when it was released, and quite frankly, the opening scene in this film, quite genuinely, was the most terrifying way to start a movie that I had seen. And I think it's probably among the best in the franchise, from my perspective. As incredible as I found the first film to be, the premonition from this movie overshadows everything else in the franchise, and that's what I remember most. So I saw it several times, but I will admit it's been a few years since watching it the last time, but who has seen this before? So shockingly, I have seen this. I was uh, the perfect age when this franchise was being released. Final Destination was all the rage, okay, in high school, middle school, 
technically this came out when I was in third grade. So maybe, maybe it was a little bit before my my time, but like, (laughs) I think I was super into it when it came to like the fifth one releasing. Like I can remember trying to get into that release before I was 18 and it was rated R, but this is definitely a movie that I had to see. And we all have that, that first opening scene burn into our brains. Yeah, I definitely do. Every time I'm on the highway or... (laughs) God forbid a truck goes by with logs. Yes, I'm like, oh, we're dying today. (laughs) But yeah, definitely seen it. Um, It's funny, out of all of them, I'm pretty sure I've seen these two the most. Uh, Well, not these two. So the first one and the second one. Yeah, this one really stands out in the whole uh, franchise for me. Ryan, you needed a mom like mine because I actually saw this movie in theaters when I was 12 with my mom. I had friends who had moms like that. That's who I was gussying up to. I'm going to be that mom (laughs) for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Sneaking all the kids into their rated R movies. And then you'll be that abuela. But yeah, so I saw this movie in theaters and I loved it. I'm a big fan of like Final Destination as a concept. Um, I love like the plausible with big air quotes um, deaths that could happen really to anybody at any time uh, because that's like a real fear that you can live the rest of your life like holding on to. Especially like you guys were saying, like whenever you see a truck on the highway with logs, it's like, okay, now I'm going to die. This is it for me. So yeah, I've seen this movie many times. You know, it's aged. Let's just say that. Is that a, that's like cryptic, uh, cryptic way to say it. (laughs) I love that you mentioned that Paris, the plausible in air quotes ways to die. This movie, I think was part of me falling further in love with the franchise and I think is what's really opened me up to that TV show that was on, I think it was called Spike TV, that station. It was A Thousand Ways to Die. I only ever saw one episode and the death I saw was absurd. Right. And they're all real. So if you think Final Destination is fictitious, I mean, hey, some of the stuff that happens in this movie is a little bit more realistic than Thousand Ways to Die. Wait, are they all real? Because the one I saw was a girl who like a fish jumped out of the water down her throat. And because its, its scales only went one direction, she like choked on it and died. As I recall, they were actually discussing deaths that actually happened. That is shocking to believe that that happened to a person in life. Well, there we are. So looking at this movie, Paris, you mentioned that it's aged. I think this time around for me, I found it to be an interesting watch. And I mean, let's be real. This is like no one watches the Final Destination movies for their plot. Nobody does that. Um, And nobody's looking for the depth either. But I did feel equal parts tense, uh, amused, touched. And thoroughly annoyed. I can admit that. But how about you all? How did you feel while watching this? I felt a lot of anxiety, especially um, during the first scenes, um, first a few scenes. And I think it was just left me. I was like, you know, following. It's, it's cool with these movies. You get to follow like how things happen. And it reminds me of like, you know, the dominoes when you see like those YouTube videos and one per like they do these extravagant like domino things or even the train set. I thought that was cool watching that part. I felt entertained, but like you said, I didn't. I didn't, definitely didn't watch this for the plot, and I think I was reaching for that in these. I don't know. I guess I haven't watched a Final Destination movie in so long that I forgot what they're like. Yes, yes, yeah. And so when I was like into this, I was like, "Wait, is this <laughs> is this what I thought it was my whole life? <laughs> this is what this thing is?" Because uh, it was. I mean, it's not like it's the worst thing the parts that we're talking about where you're like kind of wanting more, but it's just so funny because when you look back on your thoughts about a movie and then you watch it again, it's two completely different experiences. I think it's because people mix up the first and the second because the first has a more serious tone and then the second tries to hold on to that, but then it just gets out of control the further you get into the franchise. Yeah. 
and I, yeah, it's very interesting, but I mean, come on, like the kills that happen in this movie, you can't not be stressed and you kind of know how it's going to go. You know, assuming you've seen the first one, you know, there's going to be a line of people that are going to die just one by one, but they do make those parts very enjoyable. So there's that. Yeah. For me, despite how many times I've seen this movie, I was still, like you said, Ryan, stressed out by a lot of the kills. It's a really good buildup. Foreplay. Yeah. Oh, really that's good exactly the word I was that. looking for, Alexis. Thank you. It was. It's really good foreplay because you get exactly the right amount of like information while still being like, oh God, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Even though I know what it's going to be. Um, so I was surprised that the movie was able to still do that to me after all these years. But what really surprised me uh, was how bad some of these performances were. Ooh. I did not remember that being the case. Um, but some of these actors were really, I don't know what they were doing, but it wasn't it. Well, let me tell you, we went on that whole Scooby-Doo run there for a while. And I was complaining about those characters. And this gave me the same feelings that I felt when I was annoyed that we were watching another movie with characters from Scooby-Doo in it. Like at some parts, I was just like, who are these people? Like, like at one point, this girl was just like, I have a really important career. And I was like, that's what you like describe. That's how you describe a character. It's not a line that they say. <laughs> She's like, my career is just now blowing up. And I met a nice man. I'm like. <laughs> Okay, that's the character description, but what do you say as a human? Because it's not that. It's like, do you get it? She's the career woman. Yeah, exactly. We, hi, this is our career woman with a sharp haircut. Yeah, that's honestly what surprised me too, because I literally were like, now I think I was thinking it was one, I watched number one again. I think I was expecting that kind of tense intensity, that kind of like seriousness. And I think the characters are kind of what's, yeah, like surprised me. I thought they were. I mean, maybe I'm just so far removed from this that the jokes weren't funny anymore. The humor wasn't funny. And I was like, this is bad acting. Like, but it probably, but it's weird because I feel like I got more from some of these characters than I did in the first one. So it's a flip flop for me. Well, when you have one of the main girls in the movie uh, coming up to her female friend whose dad she's also talking to saying, and whips and chains and condoms and can we go get the guys? I'm so horny. Like, you're not really asking for Oscar-worthy performances here with dialogue written like that. <laughs> but like, it was cheesy. Like, yeah, but also it was, I feel like it was only sometimes. It would be a good stretch and then all of a sudden you would get a line or a conversation and you'd be like, what? Why? It's almost like it makes you think it might, you know, have its act together and then it just reminds you that you will be disappointed every step of the way. I will say that I wasn't really surprised by anything watching this movie, but I was disappointed. And I was disappointed uh, in how far they go with their efforts to surprise the audience with twists and turns. There are essentially two major reveals that happen in the second and third acts of this film and while they're great on paper and one definitely works, the other just feels unnecessary based on its execution. Aside from the characters, was there anything that you folks were disappointed by? I'll be honest, Chris, I've seen this movie so many times that I don't know what reveals you're talking about because it hasn't been revealed to me for years. Um, so I look forward to hearing you break that down later because I, I'm probably going to agree. The ending was a little wah wah yep it just like went on a little too long and i was like oh well wasn't wasn't the highlight of the film also like the you know the end end mm, 
did they just really want to do this? And that's why they put the scene in? Were the special effects people like, guys, we have a great idea. And they're like, all right, well, I guess we'll just put it at the end. Number of things. I think I was just maybe kind of disappointed in the whole, and I don't want to say the whole movie, but it was just, I think, like I said, going from the first movie to the second one, it, it's like a complete 360. It's like going from Sleepaway Camp 1 to 3, but uh, <laughs> I won't go that far. But because um, I do still like the idea of this death chasing you, that like something you can't get like get rid of or, you know, try to stem out. But um, there was one character in particular um, whose death is revealed in this movie, which I think they did the crappiest job of. They for sure pulled a Daniel Harris in Halloween deal and when she uh didn't come back to halloween six that's exactly what happened here i mean just don't put it in and like just i mean oh it was just so disappointing so disappointing well i'm sure that'll get plenty of attention later on but one of the things that this movie's memory remember for clearly is that opening scene in the premonition that we get about the car accident now i know ryan earlier you said that these deaths stressed you out did they scare you i don't think they scared me what they scare you they scare me because like something like that could happen. The bathtub scene, something like that could happen on the highway. Something like that has happened. Well, okay. Here's the deal. I think probably the first time I saw this, I'm sure that they scared me. The deaths are very intense in this. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like that's a thing with Final Destination. You get these very intense, unique deaths, but very plausible. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not scared by it, but I... I'm sure that when I was younger and saw this for the first time, I was. So there's that. It's hard to separate those things at this point with this franchise, you know? It's hard to separate how I would have felt watching it the first time versus now. I feel like with this specific antagonist, the the fear that you're getting isn't really able to be articulated in the same way as like a serial killer or like an alien invasion. It's more like a slow cooker. Where you just like put the crock pot on with like a roast in there and you just like set it real low and it's always there because the the antagonist is literally in every scene of the movie at all times um, and only like sometimes bubbles up to to give you something. But it's sort of like a, an omnipresent thing you always have to be thinking and worrying about. It's like an anxiety. So it did kind of scare me. Yeah, it just gives you an anxiety that sticks with you and it'll stick with you afterwards, too. Yeah, and there's like one scene where something happens and you're like, yep, that's death, but it wasn't. And I can imagine, you know, if these characters were real life people and in this situation, I know that's far fetched, but um, like, and that I would be like, yeah, take everything out. I really would be like clear and just have my, you know, just live in a padded room. (laughs) For sure, I wasn't scared of this movie, but I will say this movie makes me paranoid. And I was in a pretty like bad car accident back in December. And while it wasn't the first one I had been in, it was my first one on like a major highway getting rear-ended and pushed into someone else. And uh. I was like for months, still honestly, like I'm super sketched out about driving. And I think this movie, what it does so well is just show how you don't really have control over much of anything. Any one person can do any one small thing and set off a chain of events that could severely alter the course of your life. When we covered Final Destination, the original film, we got really deep on the inevitability of death and your own mortality. But I will say, at least this movie keeps things a little bit lighter in some other areas and isn't quite as heavy somehow as the first one. It doesn't feel quite as depressing, if that makes sense. But this movie... 
continues to build on the reputation in the first and really gives you inventive kills. And I think it gives you a ton of gore you wouldn't find anywhere else. This is a very different gore than Saw gore, in my opinion. I completely agree. I was thinking, I was like, this is gory, but not the kind of gore I normally think of. It's brief gore, whereas like Saw will dwell on the gore. I feel like I feel like that's the distinction. Like here, there's moments of gore, and Saw it is just. It's, this is what you're in the scene for in Saw is the gore, whereas like Final Destination is just like mm, we're gonna show it to you, but we won't make you we'll make you simmer on it for too long. It's like less is gore. <laughs> I'm sorry. But what about this movie stands out for you, folks? Do you think it's original in any way, even though it's the second entry in a franchise? I think it's original. I think the deaths are really original. Um, it's pretty cool just to f- find like everyday ways to die. Uh, <laughs> and then just kind of like crazy, you know, um, I'll talk about it a little bit in the gore section, but I thought it was kind of cool, the special effects, or I should say the practical effects that they used. And that really shocked me knowing that kind of information because to me it looked really cgi but it wasn't so that was surprising interesting i would have guessed a lot of it was right because it looks like it yeah but it wasn't oh my gosh i feel like every movie in this franchise automatically gets like the originality seal of approval just because there's truly nothing else like this in the zeitgeist it like if you think of like a rube goldberg death like a ridiculous chain of events that are wildly improbable but leading to someone's demise. You think of Final Destination. It's it's the brand. Um, so this definitely gets originality points, especially because it managed to add to the archives of crazy deaths without really duplicating anything that they did in the original. Yeah, it, it it's hard though, right? Because obviously it's a sequel, and it's these you know Final Destination. Pretty much, you get the same plot, generally speaking, through every movie. Some people avoid death and then they get died. <laughs> so it's hard. And then also, so you have that, but then you also have a bunch of people running around trying to help each other and save each other and they don't know what to do, which is kind of the basis of every scary movie ever when there's a group of people involved. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the originality of it. I think Final Destination was original and therefore this has to have some amount, but it doesn't like blow me away. In that regard, I guess. So two out of ten original. Yeah. Two out of ten, that's rough. Maybe like a three. But it's getting <laughs> most of the points from the first one, you know? Right, but it also like takes the rules from the first one and in a lot of ways actually like reverses them. So it's like, hey, you thought you were going to play this game, but actually it's this game. So doesn't it get like another point for that? Is it different? It feels the same. <laughs> They're all the same. They're all the same. I mean, it's it's very simple. These people were going to die and now they don't die. The end. <laughs> oh, wait. No, and now they do die, but they didn't die the first way. That's the beauty of the franchise, though. Like, death is inevitable. At some point, you will die, whether it's on screen or off screen, as we've seen happen. But I will say, the ending of this movie, it's not like it's the worst ending I've seen to a movie, but I almost feel like they try to do something and slide it in, just like you were saying earlier. But it falls more like on a comedic tone, so much to the, it almost feels out of place. How'd you folks feel about the ending? Chris hit the nail on the head for me. It was like, oh, did you just add this to keep on for running time? And I, I thought it was funny. I was like, oh my gosh, but it was kind of like a, like you said, it was just, it was like a 
comedy which tied like the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie so i think i was just trying to find like what the tone of this movie was and maybe that's why i was like a little bit off i'm like okay are you supposed to be funny supposed to be like satire what is it supposed to be dark comedy like i'm not sure because then i don't get that throughout the entire movie yeah and the thing that sucks is if you're trying to figure out if someone's trying to be funny that means they weren't funny and they're probably trying Mm. to be very true Mm -hmm. yeah i totally agree and then there was like some change to the camera work in the end end as well. So I was like kind of questioning what was going on. Did things happen as they appear to happen? Or was there like some amount of like dreaminess or like heavenliness? Like there's this whole change to the like color and shot style of the film at the end and then that happened. And so it was like a very weird like juxtaposition. Like they didn't really work. And then I I have a lot to say about the and before that very before that very last scene but the ending of the story i have a lot to talk about that when we get to the spoiler section because it there's just some i don't know i think there's a couple holes in that and i don't really see how this works death uh i feel like is a very strict man i feel like he follows a lot of rules and i didn't feel like that followed the rules but it is what it is and he has a sidekick tony todd <laughs> i know <laughs> tony todd is just a personification of death <sighs> was so excited to see him in the in the morgue he wasn't in the morgue he was the uh body burning guy there's a word for it the guy who pulls the nipple rings out yeah maybe yeah with pliers i will go on record as saying the ending is the worst part of this movie for sure the (laughs) end end was kind of like an upswing for me not a not a huge upswing but i was kind of like oh okay that happened at least um but yeah like the main like conflict and resolution in the end i was like this is losing my interest it's not doing what this movie is should be doing it was a little like womp womp it sounds like you're describing that the ending is is in itself not good but is also better by comparison than what came immediately before is that right yeah it's like pick your poison pick the lesser of two evils the main ending was bad the end end was okay yeah Mm, that's what i'm trying to convey all right so paris i know this was on the list of movies that you were excited to talk about on this podcast so we're gonna see how that bad ending and the okay upswing translates in your score now before we get there alexis obviously there's got to be a lot of deaths in this movie exactly how many were there i'm excited about this uh high number to announce to you guys uh, we have uh, 27 <laughs> wow yes i'm excited <laughs> and ryan what about the animal report? So there are some animals doing some uh, injury-related things, but we don't we don't lose any pets or anything like that in this movie. So I feel like we're mostly good for the animal report. Hey, as long as I don't have a puppy meeting its final destination, I'm a-okay. So we're good to go. Wow. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Now let's go ahead and start getting into our ratings. Paris, I'm going to have you go first because I know this was something you were excited about. Final Destination 2. From 2003, what a great year. Is it a hack or a slash? Um, I'm giving it a slash to this day. Uh, This is one of actually my top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. I've seen it at least 100 times. Um, We had it on DVD when I was little. And I used to like watch it on loop and then watch it uh, with the director commentary. 
So I definitely know a lot of like the behind the scenes, the making of, a lot of fun trivia about this movie. So when I watch it, I watch it from a bunch of different angles and I enjoy it every time. Now, that being said, this is by no means a perfect movie. Uh, The acting is very bad for the most part. There is like one character that actually gave a surprisingly great performance that I don't think I ever recognized before this watch. Um, And the ending is weak. But if you like Final Destination, in my opinion, this is the best of the franchise, and it takes what was successful about the original and builds on it in a way that they should be proud of. So it's getting a slash from me till the day I die. Yeah, I totally agree. The first two um, in this franchise are definitely um, noteworthy. The rest, in my opinion, and I don't know because I'm coming from a salt perspective. So you could tell me that they're all bad and I'd still love and find like something great about every single one. And that's how I felt about this until I watched it a second time. And I was like, and you guys have seen me rate slashes for things that I think are goofy and off the wall things I've seen that I'm like okay like it didn't have the greatest ending and this this and that and maybe this caught me off guard but I really thought I was gonna like this movie I watched the first one right before this and I was like all right cool maybe I'll get on the third train and watch that but I literally have to end at the end of it I was like oh okay like that's it but I do know that I do love like the series and where uh, the franchise and where it goes. And I love the deaths and I, I love that sort of thing. But I, I just thought this was a waste of my time on a Saturday night. So I'm giving this a hack. Yes. Oh, <laughs> my God. I now know how it feels. <laughs> to be fair, Paris, I'm confident that you're just swayed based on your love for for the movie from like if you had nostalgia if, purposes yeah, yeah i think if you had watched this for the first time for this episode you would <laughs> you'd be on the same page because let me tell you know. i am on the same page as alexis <sighs> this is <laughs> this is like i was i i've told you guys i'm i'm not always excited for the movies we have to watch sometimes they're a little you know, a little bit hard for me sometimes i sometimes i'm miserable but I was really excited for Final Destination 2. And like I said, I have a lot of really good memories tied to these movies. This is like a franchise that did a lot for me in life. It was the perfect time for me. I have some beef with this movie, though. Like, I have some beef with the story. I have a lot of beef with the characters. I, man, you guys know I love like a like a, a 90s, early 2000s, if it's done well. this Yeah, is, we both love that. Yeah, this is very early 2000s, but... I just don't feel like it's done well, like outside of the first scene and then like the kill scenes. I feel like the kill scenes really kept me in. But then I felt like there was like 15 monologues during this. And I don't know if there really were. Maybe there were only two. But it felt like it was just constantly like a two minute long section of someone just talking. And like at one point we had a flashback and it was a flashback of the whole movie. And I was like, what what are we flashing back to? Yeah, I don't know. I'm actually really disappointed to say this, but this is a hack. And I say that to say it's a, it's kind of a, a soft hack. I want people to watch this. Same. I feel like, yeah. yeah, like I want you to watch Final Destination as a series. But like if you're asking me if this is a good movie, it's not. And that's really sad, but it is what it is. All right. So Final Destination 2 has two hacks in one slash. Paris, how does it feel to be alone? It feels familiar. <laughs> but honestly... <laughs> I can't blame anyone. They've all made great valid points. It's not hard to hack this movie. So I totally support you guys' decision. I mean, as Alexis and Ryan have already said, it's not as strong uh, and it's not 
in a serious tone as the first movie. And realistically, at some point, I think what it suffers from most is trying too hard and it just ends up overcomplicating things. But realistically, this is a solid successor. Again, like you don't watch Final Destination for the depth, you know, like you watch it for the kills. You watch it to have a good time, even though it's really morbid. It features the most iconic scene in the franchise. And I remember the opening scene from this movie more than I remember almost anything about the first movie and certainly more than I remember anything about any movie after it. The background characters, I think, support the shortcomings that I get from the two main leads in this movie. And it's one hell of a ride. So this movie is a slash. So there we have it, folks. Woo! Final Destination 2 is split this week. This is such a rare mix for us. It really is. Yeah. This doesn't happen. <laughs> like Paris and Chris versus Ryan and Alexis. That does not <laughs> happen often. We're mixing it up. Yeah. And keeping things spicy. So we're split on this vote, folks. But we need to know what you think. Now, if you're listening to this episode and haven't seen this movie, then it's a 50-50 split on whether or not you think you should watch it. But if you have seen this movie before, go brush up on it. Refresh your memory. See if things change for you the way they did for Alexis and Ryan. You can find this movie streaming online. You can find it for rental or you can find it for purchase. But check it out. Then join us in the second half so we can unpack all the gore. See you in a bit. Hey everyone, it's me, Kimberly Corman, one of, if not the most famous survivor of the Route 23 pileup. As you may know, my now infamous premonition saved the lives of many innocent people and made headline news. Now, I'm offering my psychic services to you. Call Kimberly's psychic hotline to find out exactly when and how you will die. Now, when I say exactly, I mean that my premonitions will give me like a vague clue as to the nature of your untimely passing. And the clues are like super open to interpretation, but you'll definitely get like the general vibe. Now, what you do with that information is totally up to you, but know this, you absolutely cannot sue me. I've already talked to like two different lawyers about it and they said we are all good to go, so don't even try it. Also, my premonitions aren't always accurate and pretty often they're actually way off. But that adds like a fun little mystery to it, I think. Anyway, call Kimberly's Psychic Hotline today and live in fear for the rest of your life. All right, welcome back. Final Destination 2 from the year 2003 has earned two slashes and it has also earned two hacks. There's so much to unpack, but let's start first with the gore. Alexis, what's up with the gore score? We had this conversation earlier. It's a little bit different than Saw gore, where you're just like, it's constantly like, you know, how bad can we gross you out? And this, it's like, all right, cool. You know something crazy is going to happen on each of them, which I totally appreciate. They definitely up the gore in this one compared to the first one, for sure. So it's like super different. What I appreciated is the first scene, where like you're just immediately dropped into this scene and to be honest, even though I knew how these movies went, I still was like, oh, my God, is this real? And I started counting the bodies. And I was like, damn it. It's a freaking premonition. You know what? I, like- <laughs> I also forgot that. And as you were watching that first scene, I was like, wait, how is she going to avoid this accident? I know she lives. How is this going to work? Which made me feel so dumb. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I wasn't the only person. Yeah. I was like, that's literally the basis of the movie. Yeah. I was thinking avoiding death. I wasn't thinking premonition, you know? exactly but no i loved it i love how they went kind of like really extreme with a lot of them um and like i mentioned there were practical effects used in a lot of it which was interesting because um like watching this i got kind of like a not a cheesy sort of like it wasn't 
practical enough where like you saw someone switch out something (laughs) like we have seen but it wasn't so cgi they were like okay it doesn't like it looks so fake but i don't just it it was amazing like you guys should see it um on youtube they have like a i'm sure paris should probably seen it too they're uh, just on some of the ways they've that they've done the practical effects um with that said since there's uh 27 deaths approximately well 18 died in the first scene in the um well first non-premonition scene but um so there's plenty like to go around i'd love to know what everyone chooses for their favorite death so my favorite death is gonna have to be cats i love this um cat and mouse game you have with death (laughs) (laughs) totally killer pun intended um lord There it is. But yeah, I love it because the, the first scene when they, you know, they get into that car accident, you see that PVC pipe, you're like, oh, okay, it, she's done. And then she just has this log talk where she's smoking a cigarette like it's not a big deal. There's a little a little bit of comedy sprinkled in there. Yeah, she asked the guys if, if they could be quieter. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, put them in quiet mode. <laughs> Which I thought was brilliant because I wasn't expecting it then. Which I love because I feel like I'm always expecting when the kill is going to happen because they set it up. They have it like domino, like do, like the domino effect. Like this happens. This you didn't expect the person who was supposed to save her life to be the one who ends her life. Mm. Yeah, no, <laughs> I didn't think that literally into it. No, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's a shocking moment for it to just happen just like that. You'd expect her to get out of the car and make it somewhere else. Like you don't expect it to happen when help is right there next to you, right? And then, but. She probably, de- okay, she doesn't deserve it because that's rude for me to say. But if she's already, <laughs> turn it down. Like, <laughs> she's kind of annoying, but yeah. she's a career woman. She's kind of been through some shit, though. <laughs> she really has. You you know, you do you, girl. But yeah, so I love it. And then the airbag goes off, and there there she goes back into it. Cause you, I would, I was not expecting any of that at all, which I loved entirely yeah alexis you stole mine oh there's no theft on the hacker slash podcast i was gonna pick that one that one's really great because like you're lulled into this false sense of security where you're like oh okay we avoided like the main thing that we thought was going to kill her and then you kind of see something else happen that's unrelated to her death and then all of a sudden oh no wait she's gonna die um but my runner-up goes to nora who plays the mom her death for me really stood out if you remember she was decapitated in the elevator after getting her um, iconic signature braid that she never let out uh, caught on a man's amputated arm basket but what i loved about that one is that really the reason that she died is because somebody saw a clue or a sign so it's like the whole time you're trained to be like okay these clues are going to help us avoid death but really death was like i'm going to show you this clue so that when you react to it it's what's going to cause you to die yeah death uh, death got an upgrade Death learned his lesson from the first movie, and Kimberly indirectly caused many deaths. And Clear also helped out by pressing that elevator button. <laughs> exactly. Death always wins. He knows what he's playing in. It's funny because the the car PVC pipe death is like my least exciting one of this whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have two favorites. So my first one is one from the first scene that's not a real death, I guess. Um, And it's when the officer has that log just fly through his car and you just see it coming all the way out the other side with his blood on the end of it. Like Mm. that was very intense. And it's kind of the first moment of gore that we get, I guess. Um, And then I was, again, we were, I was still in the moment where I forgot that they're going to have a premonition and I was like, whoa, (laughs) 
that's a serious kill. And it wasn't, but I love that. And then my favorite that happens in the movie is Tim getting crushed under the glass because it's just like his body just folds and compresses like a stowaway plastic card table, you know? What a great comparison. Yes. It's just to watch it all just like... Very intense. And you know it's coming in there. Again, like you just said, they're trying to warn him. And it, it makes it all worse. Don't run after the pigeons. You might get smashed by a piece of glass. First off, let me just say, stellar picks all around. The officer with the log through the head terrifies me to this day. And I will not drive near any vehicle that large hauling anything on any stretch of road. Doesn't matter if it's just a side street. Not doing it. My favorite death is compounded by my favorite moment in this movie. And that's Rory, who's actually also one of my favorite characters. We'll get there later. Rory, when he pushes the kid out of the way, things kind of just happen and unfold. And all of a sudden, he has this barbed wire fence being (laughs) launched to him and just chops up his body. And he falls into severed little pieces. It's crazy to me to see that level of technical expertise unfold in film, but also just the emotional pull we get from his character, which I think had one of the only really sobering moments of seriousness and tone in this movie when he hands Kimberly his keys in his wallet and asks her to like get rid of everything and he says like you know anything that's gonna break my mom's heart got me a little bit okay but he also is like being you know when I die do this oh yeah and my drugs and porn so it like ruined that moment yeah it really did I was just like ugh. it made sense for the character well, I thought that was funny because you know what kind of guy he is the whole time, but then he makes it serious with just like anything that's going to break my mom's heart. It's like no matter what shitty stuff he does, like he cares about how his mom is going to have to deal with this when he's gone. Yeah, he's like, I know I'm a gross piece of shit, but don't let my mom find out, please. But maybe she knows and he could just be a better person now, regardless of whether or not <laughs> he's going to die, because we're all going to die. I think he has bigger things to worry about at the pressing moment than worrying about... uh, Changing his image. Exactly. You know what I mean? He has to worry (laughs) on like preserving any life to have an image. I'm just saying. But I don't know. The fact that he was being considerate, and that's something you don't really see in these movies. It's not like you go into Final Destination, you're like, well, this character is going to make their last will and testament and get their shit lined up in a row. So it's easier on the families they're going to end up leaving behind. I just thought it was a nice moment for him. Can I tell you my least favorite death, though? Please. (laughs) Okay, so we have Evan. Mr. I'm going to win the lottery. Mr. I'm going to drive in a sports car and wear a leather jacket. Bruh. Mr. I'm going to spend my lottery winnings on stuff for my shitty apartment instead of just leaving the shitty apartment. Mr. I'm going to throw spaghetti out of a window. Mr. I'm going to fry frozen mozzarella sticks in a pan. Yeah. Yeah, he's just Mr. Calamity, honestly, and he deserved it, and I was glad to see he was the first to go. The mechanics of his death, I'm not mad about. What makes it the least favorite to me is, like, he's laying on his back. He has that fire escape ladder just go straight to his eye. It was the CGI of the blood. No matter how brief it was, it was hands down the worst gore we see in the movie. Oh, man, Uh, I didn't even notice. I mean, worst gore, sure, but that was still a top three kill for me because there was so much drama leading up to it and so many fake outs. I think there were better deaths for it to be top three. I think it's like out of 20, out of, out of 27 deaths, I mean, it's probably like second from being the worst because the other one, Alexis, was like off screen and just read about in an article. <laughs> 
this movie or these movies sometimes give me fake out exhaustion. Yeah, we're like, I'm done. And you're just like, okay, like I know this person's gonna die, and it, it it can come from like escaping little things that happen in the apartment, like him, or it can come from like thinking that they're somehow gonna beat it, and then they try and think they've done something, and then something happens and they don't. Like I kind of I kind of get like okay, like by the time we got towards the end of this, I was just like, all right, come on, like who gonna die? Just yeah. let it happen. Let's Which do I it. Feel like is all the movies. Yeah, I agree. But also I was really annoyed that when the uh, emergency ladder was, a uh, fire escape ladder was coming down the first time and it like almost hit him, he barely moved and then still chose not to move again. And I was just like, mm, we could have avoided that one. You need could've. some uh, reflexes. I mean, I think at that point he was like, oh, I'm finally in the clear. Um, so he didn't Which get up immediately. Even right. if he just turned his head slightly, he had a greater chance of living. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he expected it to fall again. That's why your boy deserved it. <laughs> oh, he fully deserved it. Um, but what I love about that death in particular, and really the Final Destination franchise, is that there's so many clues in that scene leading up to like how he's going to die. And the whole time you're kind of like picking up on these clues and you're like, which one of these is it going to be? Like when he first walks back into his apartment building, there's like a doll on the ground that's completely missing an eyeball. Um, and then when he's like cooking his like refried rice, the refrigerator magnets spell H E Y and then E. And then he like slams the fridge and then the H falls in, which causes like the microwave to explode or whatever. Um, but then all that's left on the fridge is, is the word I. Wow. I didn't know that. I love this. Share more. Please. There's, there's so many Easter eggs in these movies, you guys. Yeah, I do feel like that's something that Final Destination is really good about. I feel like I know a lot of them from like the fifth one, maybe, but I didn't notice any of that for this. That's really cool. Yeah, I like I that. Didn't. Maybe I would enjoy. Give it, it some points. Yeah. Give it some points. I'll be honest; it is like a, a solid chunk of the enjoyment for me because a lot of the rest of this movie is bad. But those little things, I really love. One thing I at least appreciated about that scene is how Death was working all the angles. Death was thinking about the first movie and thinking, "All right, all right, cool. I can't put all my eggs in one basket. Can't put all my." One, my, all my dollars on one horse in the race. I gotta have some fire going here. I gotta melt the smoke detector. I have to have, make sure his hand is stuck in the drain so he's trapped in the fire just like in the premonition. Oh. And if he somehow gets out, we'll take his fucking eye out. <laughs> Dude, also, just briefly, putting your hand in the garbage disposal is... Oh, I hate that. Not the move, and mm-hmm. I refuse. My roommate would just be like, oh, something's in there, I'll get it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't it's want gone. you to die. But I'm not doing it. She hasn't <laughs> seen enough horror movies. She she watches a lot of Disney movies. I'm not going to lie. Okay, yeah. They don't exactly put their hands in garbage disposals. <laughs> Nobody's hands get chopped off in Cinderella. It's disappointing. No, but there are hands that get chopped off in uh, a lot of the Star Wars movies. And now Disney owns those. So Also Captain Hook. Does it count, though? She's not watching those either. <laughs> Too scary. Yeah. Can we get a Captain Hook uh, prequel? Find out what happened to that hand. Speaking of hooks, did you appreciate the nod to Tony Todd with the man with the hooks shadow? Yes. I think they should have given him more credit in this movie, though. Like, I needed, I wanted to see him a few times. Yeah, I would have loved that if he played more of an integral, like, part of this, like, movie. Yeah. Tony Todd in this, being a creepy, uh, it's just so good. Like, I, I just, I wish I had more Tony Todd uh, content, because I love it. I love every minute of it. Honestly, when he ripped Evan's nipple ring out, obviously, like, there's, like, no 
bloodiness to it. It just kind of happens really quickly. I felt more pain in my body than I think the entire opening premonition. <laughs> uh. <laughs> the heebie-jeebies is what Tony Todd is really good at giving me. The heebie-jeebies, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I know when you were watching this movie, you had some throwback vibes to your early 2000s. Yeah, so I have a, a quite brief list, but uh, things that are very 2003. So the first one is the worst fake boobs you've ever seen in your life yeah. oh at the God. beginning on the motorcycle. <laughs> oh, yes. That's how you know it's a slasher. Oh, my God. It's, well, first, of course, we had to get boobs, but they were so bad. Um, and I feel like boobs and plastic surgery have really come a long way. <laughs> okay. We love a natural boob in a movie now because I feel like back in the day it was only fake ones, you know, and like. Elsewise in the fa- franchise, we get like the tanning bed scene. Boobs were a big part of that yeah. and everything. Yeah. Okay. Very bad fake boobs. Very 2003. Optional seatbelts. Like she's on the road and things are happening oh, yeah. and she just decides to put her seatbelt on. And I was like, oh, is that what that's like? That is true. I remember back then it wasn't a thing. And her friend like rolls her eyes too. Yeah. I mean, like in 2003, you could just kind of do whatever you wanted on the road, really? honestly. Um, I wore a seatbelt always. I remember click it or ticket always being a thing. Yeah. I mean, it was, but it's not the same. And also cars, which is another thing in this movie that is quite 2003, the cars that they're driving, obviously. But they weren't making a dinging noise the entire time you're riding in it if you don't have your seatbelt on. Whereas now you're totally like you can't go anywhere. Like I was in a car the other day and mine. Yeah. You were in my car and I was like, and it was just going off. <laughs> and and no you didn't offense, say I'm not going to throw you. I'm not going to throw you <laughs> under the bus. I was like, is she ever going to put her seatbelt on? <laughs> as a passenger, I always forget. Oh my God, Ryan, wear a seatbelt. I know. As a passenger, I always forget. But when I'm driving, I always wear it. She trusts me. Yeah, I am the same way though. You're going to be the head flying out of the sunroof as the car topples across the highway. <laughs> I mean, you're going like two blocks, which is most likely when you're going to get into an accident. Yeah, that's oh, very God. true. But I was in one the other day where the thing started like at a normal noise. And after like two minutes or whatever, it got like louder and louder. The dinging. I thought that was funny. So anyway, bad fake boobs, optional seatbelts. Kat has two. And it is one where she casually asks for a Valium, like just on a couch in a stranger's house. She's just like, <laughs> anybody got a Valium? Like what? Nobody does that. <laughs> and then her second one is her smoking on a treadmill. <laughs> There's a lot of smoking on this in this Legendary. movie. It's ridiculous. This career woman. You know, if they had gone to a restaurant, they would have asked if you want to sit in the smoking or non-smoking section. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a time. What a time. And then uh, one that Chris brought to my attention is passing out a bucket of burner phones. Just casually. Like, it's no big (laughs) deal. Because right now, if someone walked up to you with a burner phone, you'd be like, what? Are we dealing drugs? (laughs) What drugs are we dealing? Yeah. I still don't understand why he had access to all those phones. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. I thought the um, French braid or the braid that she had was very 2000. I don't see that much anymore. Mm -hmm. Braids have come a long way. The sweater she was wearing, though, was very... I know what you did last summer. The sweater and braid combo together is really what did it. (laughs) But can we go back and talk about that cop? Because not only did he have like a box of burner phones, but he fully just like, I guess, quit his job after this because at no point does he ever do anything like police related again, except abuse his power. And report a car stolen. And make her stay in jail. Yeah. Report a car stolen. Have a pregnant woman detained and put in jail. And then like, even to find her, he's like, they're like, but how are we ever going to find her? And he's like, I'm a cop, remember? 
just like, oh, I'm just going to use my database to illegally find this woman while I hang out with these guys and like solve a mystery. What is going on? I think I assumed he was put on some kind of mental health leave for having had such a close call to such a massive pileup. He should be on a mental health leave. Well, I mean, (laughs) he probably didn't last much longer than this runtime. Let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, this movie did have some uh, classic terrible cop tropes as well. Mm -hmm. Like when he got out of his car and immediately flashed his gun just because they had pulled over. (laughs) Yeah. I do have a few a few hits for this movie. The opening scene, you guys remember the first Final Destination, how it kind of opens up going through Alex's bedroom and you see all these like these sinister uh, takes on everyday items. There's a lot of hints and clues that are in Kimberly's bedroom. And I love that that opening or, or the approach to the opening. But honestly, I felt like it was super on the nose to have her wake up to a whisper just to tell her what's going on. Again, at least there's the previously on Final Destination. In case you don't know what you're getting into, this is basically what happened in the entire first movie. But then the the other thing is when you look at the shadows and stuff that she sees in her room, later on after the accident, she sees like a skeletal hand like on her ceiling. <laughs> Clear later asks her if she's seen anything ominous or weird or ironic and she just talks about the songs on the highway. Like, Kimberly, why are you not fucking talking about seeing the skeleton shadow? Like, why is that not on the list of things that you're concerned about? That's crazy. Yeah, the shittiest effect in this movie were those skeleton hands inside the tree branch shadow. Yeah, it was awful. Don't tell me you guys when you were younger would see shadows on your wall and literally make up what it could be. And mostly the time it's some monster. I do it now. <laughs> See, here's the thing though. We would do that, Alexis. And what did Kimberly do? Decide to be the only on person person on earth who would ignore it. That's true. Looks right at it and says, I'm gonna file this away as perfectly normal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she lives a strange life, okay? Her dad's super cool, clearly. Like she's seen it all, probably. <laughs> Can we recognize and give props to uh the star of that opening sequence in the room, Chris, which is our favorite tarantula? Oh yes, Eduardo. Mm-hmm. Just a tarantula in her bedroom for no reason. Yeah, d- random. Again, still getting all the work on. <laughs> but they weren't there. Are they there? Who knows? I have in my notes specifically, which kind of relates to the beginning scene, but also relates to the whole movie. If you put anything in slow motion and play the right music, it's creepy. Like, no matter what it is, like, they would just show, like, a person walking across the street and, like, some creepy music in the back. You're like, oh, no, they're going to die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, everything in slow motion is creeps you out. And there's your fake out. Yeah. Literally, I think that you could just be, like, a girl putting her hair behind her ear. But with the right speed and the right music, like, it just all becomes creepy. And <laughs> so I got into this weird place where as, like, as we were getting to creepier moments, there'd be a lot of slow motion shots of normal things happening. And I got kind of preoccupied by it. And I was just like staring at this like person at a gas station and like a wind blowing a tree. And I was just completely lost in it. Like this is all regular things that happen all the time. It's a woman with her child. <laughs> but here we are. Especially that gas station scene where it's like, like oh my gosh, something's going to happen. I mean, it yeah. just builds up that intensity. It does. It really does. It's just funny how easy it is. I mean, there was fully a man pumping gas while smoking a cigarette which yeah. is fully ominous should have been on my 2003 list oh that definitely oh, yeah. should have been that's terrifying pumping gas is just one terrifying yeah because as soon as you see someone talking on a cell phone too you're like is this gonna be the gas station that explodes because of exactly this? which i didn't hear was a thing or like i act sometimes i'll be like so lazy because i've had points where i've gotten gas and lost my keys but they just slid somewhere so i was like oh, i'll just leave it in in 
the ignition. And then I was like reading something or I was like, oh my God, I better take it out. I'm going to blow up here. Like I should read less things. Yeah. At gas stations, I'm mostly just scared of the really creepy men yes. that bombard you. <laughs> Even if you're wearing like a trash bag. <laughs> That's pretty much all well, that scares me. Well, if you're just wearing me. a trash bag, you'd probably be kind of hot. So, <laughs> Well, now that you say that, Ryan, we have to watch Urban Legends. Does it involve mm. creepy men at gas stations? There is a creepy man at a gas station. Yeah. We should watch it anyway. Just feels like my life, honestly. That would be so up your alley, up our alley. 2000s teen horror. Also in this movie, uh, this is kind of random because I don't know that I loved him in this as, as the character he was in this movie, but Terrence Carson, who played Eugene... Um, which you would like know from like living single. He's like my favorite, like late nineties, early two thousands, like small feature. I feel like he's super underrated and, uh, I don't know. I also kind of think he's, he's attractive. And so maybe that's why, but I just was so excited to see him. I was like, hi, how are you? I've missed you. And I wish, I wish I could see you more. He's also has lots of gray hair now. He looks very, uh, distinguished. He did have an excellent moment when he was, uh, taking matters into his own hands and trying to kill himself and just having that emotional breakdown after convincing himself it was all fake. Yeah. Yeah. He actually gave the best performance of the whole cast, in my opinion, uh, partially for that moment. And then partially just like he played cool black guy just flawlessly, which wasn't hard for him. Um, but the way he's like taunting everybody at the beginning when they're all in the, uh, I guess like police room and he's like scaring the shit out of him. And he's like, boo. I was like, Oh, he's having fun with this role. Um, yeah. And then to see him like really get that serious moment at the end, I was like, there we go. But wait, can we also talk about that? There was, you know, this accident and the girl had a, pre- Kimberly had a premonition and then she told the cop about it and saved all those people. Did all of them need to be brought to the police station and have the situation explained to them? Or could the rest of them have just gone about their lives? They certainly would have just gone about their lives in, in not Final Destination land. Yeah. We were like, why are they all here? I mean, they probably just needed at least one other person to bear witness to the cop and like what was happening with Kimberly's car and like having seen her pull off. What I did love though is when when, when Rory is leaving the room and he like checks his pocket to make sure his drugs are still there. Classic Rory. Classic. <laughs> so I, I know we talked a lot about the visuals of death, right? And the uh I mean he's he's really windy, this guy. <laughs> um we talked a lot about the gore, but what else stood out to you guys visually about this movie? I think I've kind of already said this but I cannot say enough how amazing the deaths are. Like, I sometimes get exhausted by the the lead up if it, you know, tries to avoid it too many times. But like when they, when they die in this movie, it's so creative. Every single one, they're all different. Even in the beginning in this car crash scene, which doesn't seem like it would be that, you know, original. Like how many ways can you die in a car crash? But evidently <laughs> there's a lot. Um, for me, that's the thing that, that, Really, I was like battling with when trying to decide if this is a hack or a slash. It's like, those are so good. I did not like them between, but man, watching those deaths was so satisfying. And I think they sat on things for the perfect amount of time in a lot of cases, like the amount of gore that you got and everything. Uh, that's really where I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, finger hand trees. <laughs> I know that it seems kind of cheesy. What? Very scientific official job description. <laughs> hey, Tim, what are you doing? I am a finger hand tree today. The skeletry. The skeletry. There we go. I like that. You know, I like all the ways death is looked upon in this movie, like the wind and the trees. I mean, the trees definitely stood out to me, I think, because I could relate so freaking much. Like, that's what I, in childhood, I'd see things on the, 
I didn't see actually see things, but um, side note, but ties to it is like unsolved mysteries. I guess someone left a bloody handprint on the wall and then it would never wash away. Literally, don't ask me when I was a kid. I saw this and I literally saw a handprint on the wall, but it was some like dirty hand from my mom or like or my sister and I. But I was literally like, so I would swear at night I see things like, and it's not because I like have some, you know, I have maybe a mental health issue, but uh, <laughs> no, but it's like sometimes you look twice, you're like, did I just see something? And I'm notorious of that. And this just reminds me of like what we reviewed. Um, uh, the week prior was host so it's like seeing things in the background and you know so I thought these hands tied pretty well with like that sort of like curiosity and kind of like um spookiness to the movie which I liked in the first one which there was more in the second I mean it is a pretty classic visual element um, but I gotta say my favorite just goes out to the all of the hidden little details and clues that are throughout this movie because if you list them there's actually so many um so it's really, you can play like an eye spy trying to find all of the different clues hidden throughout pretty much every scene of this film. Do you have any other significant ones to tell us about? Oh yeah, I could tell you. Um, during the the opening scene, like with the pileup, you see the number 180 twice. You see it at the mile yeah. marker that Kat is at, and then you see it on like a construction sign, mm-hmm. which is flight 180. Um, mm-hmm. And then the bus that has all the kids like screaming like, pile up, pile up. Uh, the name of that high school was the same high school as the original cast. Oh. Uh, and there's just like so many of these. I encourage you guys to like check out IMDb's page or like Wikipedia or even just watch the director commentary uh, of this movie because they're literally everywhere. And it's like a fun little game that you can play while you watch it. I love that so much. I definitely would. I, I love that about movies. When, once I found out an Easter egg wasn't actually Easter egg you were actually looking for. (laughs) One of the other visuals that I appreciated was the mechanics of the trap being set in the dentist office. Despite the fact that you get no payoff there because there was an intervention every step of the way. One thing I really didn't like though, and this was again, one of my least favorite visuals when you look at like the bad internet phase uh, that we all went through uh, with internet browsers. Do you guys remember when she's doing research and she sees um, the original cast and she looks at todd like she sees a picture of todd yeah the caption on the internet literally says a nice shot before the coroner arrived what the fuck kind of caption is that (laughs) Uh, what that's the darkest thing i've ever (laughs) i I feel like that's so final destination truly you guys you should pause those scenes because every word that is written on all of those pages is hilarious and iconic it is ridiculous and absurd and so disrespectful which actually kind of ties me into one of the things that i really like least about the whole story overall. I was talking earlier about how I felt like this movie tries too hard in some ways and we're talking about like the reveals that happen. There are when you look at this back back objectively if you have not seen this before, there is the reveal that everybody in this movie is connected to to the events of the first movie and then there's the reveal that Isabella did not in fact die in the original pileup and so her baby is inconsequential. Her new life is inconsequential. <laughs> so when they go through this scene, and on paper, I get it. I like the idea that, you know, the interruption of death in the first movie created all of these little side moments to be kind of splintered off and disrupt life and death for so many others. But I feel like the execution of that moment was too over the top and cheesy. It was like, oh, wow, I also had a weird moment. And then when there's one last person, they're like... Tell me what happened. It's like, dude, 
<laughs> I hated that car scene. Yeah. That was like one of the things where I was like, it's not a monologue, but it feels like just one person going on and on. Like it just felt so predictable and monotone. And like as soon as one person said it, like you kind of knew what everybody was going to say. Oh, yeah. And so it's like it made this movie into this thing where it's like, here are deaths. And in between, you're going to be bored and scroll through Instagram. And this was that was one of those moments. I hated that car scene so much. I think they should have thought this out a little bit more and i i mean i love how they bring all of the elements from the first one into this one and they kind of build upon it but like you said chris like i wish maybe it, there was a little bit more like of a tangled web or something like that some sort of like tangible sort of like it conclusion to- like not something like they said it i'm gonna believe it seems okay but like maybe if there was actual concrete stuff that they found in the first one and definitely tied it to i would have probably enjoyed this way more yeah it needed to be re- revealed a different way and it's kind of like what i was saying with um our character cat like she says i'm a businesswoman my career has just gotten somewhere it's like <laughs> this is this is like part of their story is oh we're all tied to this but they the way they do it is they just say it and that makes it non-enjoyable it makes you not care about it at all and if you found out like along the way or you know something hinted to something or anything like that it'd be so much more enjoyable but again i feel like the writers were just like hey man uh why don't we just link all these characters together and uh, how should we do it maybe just have them all say it at the same time it'd be great that's totally fair it it could have been a much more enjoyable and engaging experience. Like if there were like little hints that we could have kind of pieced it together before they just kind of plainly announced Mm -hmm. it in a boring car ride. There is another movie in the franchise that ties back to the first and it's so beautifully well done. And it's such a good moment that I wish this could have also had that. Which one is that? Final Destination 5. Ooh, okay. Because I think I'm going to just continue the journey. I'm here. And I say that every time we're watching something in a franchise. I'm like, I'm going to watch the second one. I'm going to watch the third one. I'm going to The only one I've ever done it for a sleepaway camp. You should sadly. and report back because I would like to remember what the third and fourth one have in them. Because I feel like I can only remember five. The third one's Roller Coaster. The fourth one's NASCAR. And the fifth one oh. is The Bridge. Oh, yeah. The Bridge. Okay, there's a reason I only remember the two. Where's the sixth one? Like, we're waiting. In quarantine. That's what happens when you're stuck at home. Uh, there's so many ways I could die in this house for right now. Ooh, I don't like that one bit. <laughs> Maybe if they had not killed off Alex in a uh, newspaper. <laughs> uh, maybe they could have tied it a little bit better <laughs> it was just so disappointing to see like the main character from the first movie you know you're, you see um, clear so you're like okay maybe he's in there no you see him on a piece of paper you see a photo of him dead and it's so lame coming from the first one to this one that it just didn't do him justice and it was one of the things that I really disliked about this. Alexis, can I tell you what exactly that newspaper article says? Oh, please tell me. So he was like obviously hiding in his house like a shut-in, as anyone would be in that situation. And he left for like the first time in like two months. And he was killed by an adjacent building having a brick fall and then just land on his head. Lame. Like the most anticlimactic, lamest thing <laughs> that could possibly happen. That is lame. Like I would t- I'll take something crazy like the whole building fall over. Like, right, yeah. something. <laughs> also, hate when a movie makes me read something on the screen. I'm like, oh, read it to me. <laughs> I'm so lazy. Yeah. I can't. I, I can't read it while you have it on it. screen. 
<laughs> I'm not mad about the fact that he died because it just kind of like it raises the stakes for everyone else in this movie because then it's like, okay, nobody's safe, clearly. I just hate the way they just kind of swept him under the rug and there was no real, I don't know, no real tribute or, or respect honestly paid paid to his character. He was just this one guy who had a premonition. I mean, listen, I was always team Clear Rivers uh, in the original and in this one, partially because I love Ali Larder. And then partially because the name Clear Rivers is just so ridiculous that how can you not love her? Um, so I wasn't mad that Devin Sawa didn't return for this one, to be honest. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's fine that he died. But she absolutely was one of the best parts of the original. And I was really hoping that she'd make it to the very end of this. Like, I, I just I kind of wanted to see her live through the whole thing. Yeah, her death was kind of lame, too. Yeah, they, they did focus on making her real crispy, right? Like, so like KFC extra crispy kind of char grill to her. But I will say that I would put money that if she had not left her room and died, she would have died by death by a thousand paper cuts in her little padded oh. cell. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that room for... uh. For Kimberly having to take off all that stuff and give them all, she had push pins in there, but okay. No, that was sticky tack. <laughs> that was specifically sticky tack on all of those articles. Oh, it was sticky tack. Oh, okay. But the yarn, she can somehow. She could die anytime, any place. You cannot prevent yourself from dying. Well, she also had a screen. No, but the screen for sure. That screen could have just exploded and shot shards yeah. of glass at her at any time. <laughs> yeah. Pillow, accidentally suffocate yourself in a pillow. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. She was not as safe as that movie wants us to think. And like, what's stopping death from just like putting someone in a chokehold, to be honest? Nothing. Where do we draw the line? I had the same question in the first episode. It's like, why does death not just like give any of these people a heart attack or a stroke? Exactly. I thought about that. But I think we established that he wants some presentation and some dramatic flair. You can't have a gust of wind and then make someone die of a heart attack. It just doesn't add up. He is dramatic. If death is a man, he's a gay man. <laughs> so while we're uh, complaining about things, <laughs> let's talk about this ending. Like, so we have like two parts, right? So there's the whole ambulance uh, driving into the water situation where they decide that that's a really good plan. And then there's like the end end where our man gets barbecued via explosion. I feel like it doesn't make sense what she chooses to do with killing herself and then coming back to life in the thing. Because Eugene tried to take himself out of the order. I don't see why she was able to do that and he wasn't able to do that. So in, in the first movie, right, Alex intervened and saved Claire's life when like she was about to be like electrocuted. And he himself took that like kind of mechanic. I guess it's really easy for death to stop a bullet. But also she kind of just drove straight into a lake. I don't know why he wouldn't just disabled why death wouldn't have just disabled the vehicle <laughs> or like had him take the keys inside. <laughs> like it just seems a little inconsistent. You know, the ECG doesn't work or like whatever. And she actually just stays dead. Like, I don't, I don't know. It just, I think at that point I was like, that's where I was like a little bit exhausted by the twists and turns in the story. And then the baby thing that had just happened and then Eugene just happened. And then she's like, I'm going to drive into the lake and kill myself, but get this doctor to come and save me. And then they underwater stared into each other's eyes through the <laughs> window as she was dying. And he just had a lot of breath. He could hold his breath for a very long time. And also he did a belly flop into the water. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> I'm realizing that it actually was her turn to die. Is that what it was? That's what I was just thinking. But then again, I, because Eugene, it wasn't, it definitely was not his turn. 
But everybody else had died except for Officer Burke, who was the first to die in the premonition. So that must have been why she was able to kill herself. And as long as someone intervened and stopped her death, it would reset the cycle. I will say also, I felt like in the first movie, we get a very specific plan of who is meant to die. Because I remember them like drawing that diagram of the seating chart. Yeah. But in this one, they didn't give us that. And I found myself like trying to keep track of it. And then just I was just like, I, I literally can't keep track of who's supposed to die. And I wish I had that 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 chart. I need a chart. She drew it out at the police station. All you have is like a really shitty memory where she imagines that Isabella died, but didn't actually. And then remember, and it's because we don't even see her. We don't see her at all in the premonition. It's just one (laughs) cheap little extra shot as if Kimberly would have turned and seen her after she got hit by the truck. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, that ambulance scene, or I mean, the suicide attempt, but not, it just, I just did not enjoy that for the ending of this movie at all. I agree, Ryan. It was very weak. And also, like, the whole baby thing. Like, a good portion of this movie is spent, like, trying to make sure this baby gets born. And then all of that is literally just like, oh, wait, actually, she wasn't there. So that was a waste of everyone's time. Uh-huh. And I was like, really? We're going to play it like that? And then, like you said, it's exhausting because then it's like, oh, okay, well, never mind. Actually, we'll do this. And it's successful. Just make Eugene explode immediately. Yeah. And And, and, yeah. And then that. I think with these, I like when death wins. Oh, of course. I don't know why. It's just, unless you like literally did all this, like, I don't like when you just made some, you made a rule up. Yeah. Like, classic Alexis. She loves it when death wins. (laughs) If these movies have taught us anything, it's that there are no rules. Your infographics and your charts don't mean anything. Thing, and there's no like loopholes because you will die very and true also don't trust the person that's having the premonitions because they're not getting the whole story evidently they only know <laughs> half of what happens that's true now i do think that it can be really easy to forget that this movie did get two slashes based on the issues that we've had with it thus far <laughs> in keeping just a little bit with that trend my least favorite characters were actually the two leads in this movie officer burke less so but i really did not care for kimberly at all oh she was terrible i feel like the way she attacked and came for clear you're a coward um hello if all my fucking friends died damn right i'm gonna check myself in and i'm not gonna leave my room because you can't remember your premonition right but i think the rest of the supporting cast as cheesy as their some of their dialogue may have been was a real strength rory in particular was my absolute favorite character yeah he had these great little bits of comedy mixed in everywhere eugene gives a really good dramatic performance but how about you folks who was your favorite character in the movie i did think kimberly was a little lackluster for me she like aka would maybe be a final girl but is like not really yeah like not the final girl you want yeah i'm like but really i don't know a final girl by coincidence not by any earned effort exactly Yeah. yeah it was just a little lackluster for me to be honest, I didn't really have anyone that like stood out. I think they all, the supporting cast is all equally enjoyable to some extent. Like the dialogue, um, don't give me the supporting cast from like the first scene, like her friends in the car. Yeah, but I do like, especially I think they were like super 
great when they were all doing certain things while they were driving. And that's what I really like because they all were people that I've seen driving, you know, trying to light a cigarette, talking on the phone, doing this. And I was like, oh, my God, this is driving now. Bro, there's so much activity. I did not see a single person eating Taco Bell, though. Oh, yeah. Or texting. You see at least one person eating Taco Bell a day. Well, I- burritos are handheld, to be fair. Did they have that back then? <laughs> Taco Bell? Taco oh, Bell? I mean, burritos. Oh, my God. Burritos? What? Yes. <laughs> what? Hello? Who do you think made burritos? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it is almost 20 years ago. Oh, good. Who knows what happened back then? <laughs> they didn't have french fries back then. My favorite character definitely goes to our girl, Clear Rivers. Um, Allie Larder has really masterfully perfected bad acting in this role perfect way to put it yeah and in a way that kimberly like really was trying to do the whole time but never quite did it yep i completely agree i enjoy some of these characters because of how much i dislike them (laughs) like cat just drove me insane the entire time and her character was just (laughs) so on the nose and therefore i was just like all right i'm enjoying it it is what it is they were truly caricatures yeah i kind of feel the same for clear i feel like it's I don't enjoy her character, but she does it well. (laughs) She speaks her lines as well as she can, no matter how bad they are. She's a girl who speaks with conviction. I like it. And bad blonde hair. There's a lot to dislike about this movie, but it's still a Final Destination movie. It still has some really great kills. Is this something you think you'll revisit in the future? I'd rewatch it if I was rewatching the movies. Yeah, if I did something like a few years from now, watch them all. But there's other franchises that I rather like watch. But I do like the you know i like this for nostalgia reasons i'd watch and and scroll instagram that's really what you need to do no watch this movie watch it and pay so much attention that you can find all the clues and easter eggs the movie gets better the closer you pay attention that's actually true i I do find that that's true because i (laughs) lost it a few times maybe well if you rented it you can rewatch it like tonight or tomorrow Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not going to but (laughs) (laughs) i I would maybe if it was on if it was on for free on tnt i will probably watch this movie at least a hundred more times before i die yeah look it's not perfect but again a third time in this episode you don't watch final destination for the depth this movie's kills alone are so solid and it's really great to have on in the background while you're working you do owe it to the movie i think to like watch it several times while paying attention so you can appreciate all the little nuggets that Paris has unsurfaced in this episode. But once you get past that and you're like, okay, it is what it is. I've made my verdict on this movie. I know what place it has in my heart. It's like yesterday I had the whole franchise going in my room while I was working and it was a great way to spend the day. Now that being said, we've earned two slashes and two hacks for this movie so far and in max absence paris is gonna school us with some fact or fiction yes hello it's me all right i know way too much about this movie so it's finally time to put that to use okay first after devon sawa refused to take a pay cut for the sequel his character alex was killed off screen and ali larder was instead invited to reprise her role as clear rivers i feel like that's a fact that's what I was thinking. Yeah, fact. I like that. And I feel like there was some like controversy or some reason why he didn't come back. This one is actually fiction. While there were rumors that he was having trouble like coming to negotiations with production, uh, ultimately they decided that it didn't make sense for both of them to still be alive because like, what would they have been doing this whole time? So they chose to just bring back Ali Larder. The worst. They could have just had them, like, he moved to a different city, you know? But they at least still did pay tribute to him. Did you see how many people in this movie 
maybe especially Tim had Devin Sawa's hair from the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the cool it's like the cool guy like pushed forward but up in the front. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Number two. With regards to the iconic highway pileup scene, the crew tested out several different types of trees before deciding that they would need to use CGI because real logs don't bounce. Diction. I feel like logs bounce. It is a fact. <gasps> she knows. It is a fact. For everybody that doesn't know, logs actually barely bounce at all when they're dropped off of a truck. So you can sort of use that to make yourself feel better when you see a log truck on the highway. But I don't know, you could still just drive straight into the log when it's on the ground and die just as painfully, I imagine. Like yeah. many people did in this movie. Yeah, exactly. The next one. In the opening scene, we see Officer Thomas Burke get burned by his coffee spilling onto his lap. The coffee cup was actually fitted with a vibrating mechanism from a sex toy in order to make it spill. Uh, I feel like that's fiction, but also that scene pissed me off so much. Who gets in a car with an open top coffee? Who? Nobody. My boyfriend one time. What? Bad idea. This is this is me <laughs> calling him out. I think this is a fact because that's cool. This is a fact. And actually, if you look closely when the coffee cup flips over, you can see the vibrator on the bottom of the cup. Oh, my God. Ridiculous. I love little things like that. <laughs> Do you love little things like that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't like the big ones. Oh my god. Lord bless us. Moving on, AJ Cook, who played Kimberly, and Andrew Airely, who plays her father in the film, developed an onset romance that made filming some of their scenes awkward for the cast and crew. Fiction. They were only in like three scenes together. Yeah, fiction. It is fiction. I totally just made that up. <laughs> you tried so hard. But also there's like a weird tension between them if you actually watch closely. <laughs> so it's plausible. It's because they were trying to be awkwardly funny. Yeah. I got two more for you. Tim, the son, his death scene, where he's crushed by a glass pane, was super stressful to shoot because they only had two panes of glass that they could drop. I didn't even think about that. You can only film it so many times. But I'm sure it didn't matter. They had plenty. So fiction? I'm torn because I feel like they would have used plexiglass. But I guess at some point to get the smash at the end, they need some real glass to break. I'm going fiction. It's actually a fact. They only had <sighs> two panes. Apparently they were super expensive. Um, and the first one that they dropped, basically the cadaver that they had, its shins were too strong. So basically, it crushed the whole body, but then like the bottom half of the legs was still sticking straight up. So they really <laughs> had to hilarious. nail it on the second one. <laughs> That's hilarious. Kind of not mad at the shin sticking up, honestly. I know. <laughs> okay, last one. AJ Cook refused to do her own stunt for the underwater ambulance scene because her greatest fear was being trapped in a car underwater, so they had to use CGI with her face. Oh man, I stared at her face a lot during that scene. Yeah, it looked really real, so I'm going to say Fiction. Yeah, I'm going to agree because I specifically, this is strange, but was looking at the air bubbles in her nose still. I feel like it was her. Yeah, so that was fiction. Yeah. Um, it was actually her greatest fear is being trapped in a car underwater, but she was looking forward to facing her fear in this movie. I think that's anyone's fear, honestly. <laughs> Look, let's be real. If your girl in Candyman was allergic to bees and still had to have bees all around her, they're not going <laughs> to let this girl get out of like not being trapped in a car underwater <laughs> like she would instantly lose final girl street cred which Very she true. barely had any <laughs> and that's fact or fiction you guys well thank you so much for this guest appearance i hope i did mac proud there you have it folks final destination 2 from the year 2003 has earned two hacks and two slashes and still two slashes despite the number of complaints that paris and i had about this movie uh at least he will give it a slash until the day he dies 
I might be swayed when I'm like 40. Who knows? <laughs> Check this movie out. You can find it available streaming online. You can find it available for rental. And it's also included in a fine film collection because you know the first movie is worth it. And honestly, some of the deaths you get later on in the franchise are worth it as well. Now, we want to know what you think about this movie, which was your favorite kill, who was your least favorite or favorite character. Do you think death also is dramatic and demands some presentation? There are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.com. And on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also hit us up at the hackerslash hotline. Our number is 757-606-0128. And as always, you can text that number, call that number, leave us a voicemail or an audio message, whatever floats your boat. And if you want to write in to tell us how much you miss Mac doing Fact or Fiction, you can email us at feedback at hackerslash.com. And if you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, consider becoming one of our patrons. Check out patreon.com slash hackerslash, where you can earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. We'll see you next time. Thank you.